This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Sklina. And I'm your other host, Matt Sklina. And Matt, today we've got a very interesting show. We've got Dane Itell from Itell Insights. Yeah, Dane's been making the rounds this week uh, in the media. Most people will probably have seen him in business in Vancouver. He was in the Vancouver Courier. I sure. think Linda Steele from CKN, CKNW? Yeah, that's it. Uh, she's had him on on her show as well. Right. Uh, so Dane's got some really interesting predictions about the Vancouver real estate market. And, and basically why we reached out to Dane to have him on the show was uh, he makes very specific predictions. And uh, we wanted to learn more about the way he's thinking and, and kind of flesh it out here. Sure. And that's the thing. We've had a lot of people come on and, and give their predictions about the market over the past you know three years of doing this show. And it's interesting because Dane is, is applying, in a lot of ways, he's applying stock market methodology to a housing market, right? So this is something that somebody like Teo Nikolai, who's you know the Harvard professor, past guest in episode one thirteen, he'd probably disagree with with uh, this method. Um, I'm but, sure, sure he would, yeah. But that said, you know, Dane is looking at established patterns. He's using a technical analysis, and he believes that he's really cracked something in terms of understanding our marketplace. Well, understanding our marketplace and understanding housing markets in general. Sure. Uh, and, and he's very specific with the, the types of predictions you can make. And interesting to note, and we'll put it in the show notes on our website over at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com, Dane has sent over some graphs 
Um, so at times, Dane is speaking uh, using jargon from the stock market. So if you want to go over and, and kind of see a fleshed out version, it's at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. So very interesting episode with Dane. But before we get to that, Matt, we just had an interest rate increase. We just had an interest rate increase this morning, October 25th, and we're releasing the, the uh, show tonight. One thing to note here, uh, I've been looking at a lot of people speaking of predictions, what's going to happen over the next year. Uh, we're hearing kind of three or four more interest rate increases uh, in 2019. Uh, we did have the one today. One note is apparently, and this is a real tell, is the Bank of Canada uh, removed the word gradual from uh, continued rate increases, which hmm. suggests a hawkishness. So I, I think they're uh, they're bold on on the growth here in Canada, and that means more interest rates increases to come. In related news, I released the word "gradual" from my weight increase. Um, I'm going. Uh, I'm I'm carb loading. It's winter. It's winter. So it's not going to happen gradually. I'm bullish on your weight increase as well. <laughs> but let's you know what it's a it's a long episode uh, with Dane today, and uh, we flesh out his ideas. Dane's and, an interesting guy, so strap in. For he, this he's one. a confident character, and you know what? The other thing we'll say is uh, one thing is we want to know what you think about uh, we'd love Dane. to hear what you think about Cause, it because this is this analysis. is and you know dane is is he's an independent mind and he's an independent thinker and we'd love to know what you think about his analysis so feel free to get in touch with your opinions 100 percent. so enjoy our talk with dane i tell Okay, so we're here with Dane Itell of Itell Insights. How are you doing, Dane? Excellent, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for taking the time today, Dane. No so, problem. So, Dane, can you maybe start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, basically, what I am, uh, I've been a realtor for the past 10 years or so. Um, but over the last two and a half years, basically, what I've become known for is... Uh, real estate forecasting, especially with the Real Estate Board of Greater Vancouver. Uh, we were published in uh, the Western Investor in the October of 2017 edition, where we forecasted the real estate market to drop uh, significantly from the 1.830 price down to the 1.67, ended up result uh, 1.64 in uh, the last previous month and 1.63 in the August of 2018, so just off by 2% from our uh, year out prediction. The trends have completely changed, which is what we called for in the article as well. Um, when you see a triple top, which is what we did see with uh, the May 2017 price, starting out with the uh, January, February, and March area, we had a double top in there of 2016, ended up with May of 2017 triple top, which sent the uh, marketing into a divergent trends. We still do have the uh, 10-year uptrend that has lifted us up basically since 2008, and that's what we're going to uh, ultimately come here and to uh, meet with with the downtrend. Okay, so there's there's a ton to unpack there and uh we'll spend the rest of the show just figuring yeah, out yeah, what was, dane means yeah exactly exactly <laughs> but before that dane before we get into the the analysis here um so so you're a realtor you're originally from vancouver correct um born in uh born in calgary actually but uh really toddler years moved out to north vancouver spent uh, a lot of my uh high school years in the burnaby uh area Played actually lacrosse with the Burnaby Lakers, won a couple of mental cups with them as well. So wow, uh, nice, nice. <laughs> kind of well rounded. Careful what you say, Matt. You get cross checked yeah. across the. <laughs> well, no, I was one of the things that struck me before you got into the kind of the analytical framework. There is, uh, you're a realtor that's also interested in forecasting. Realtors often are the kings of saying, you know, uh, your crystal ball is as good as mine. How did you kind of get into 
that side of things and do you have what's your ba- educational background or is this are you self-taught or or can you speak a little bit about it yeah sure uh so basically why i i guess came up with this system uh, i have been in the stock market for i guess about five or six years now there is technical analytical approaches throughout the equities market more so in the foreign exchange uh currency exchange markets where you do see triple tops and and, and you notice the market cannot progress any further past that so taking those analytics, those applications, not applying the data to the real estate market, but just the applications directly to the real estate data itself. By applying analytics, it has to lead to extra information. Extra information leads to informed realtors, informed realtors lead to informed clients, informed clients do better than the the public does. Um, Why I did create it was originally to be a differentiator myself. Um, you know, 20% of the market makes 80% of the sales. I wasn't in that original 20 there about two and a half years ago. So I was still trying to find for a uh, look for a different angle. And as you say, realtors do not have that crystal ball that that perturbed me, I guess, since uh, probably about year one of the real estate market after you get licensed, you know, they, they specifically say to the new members, you do not have a crystal ball, try not to prognosticate, you know, use month over month data, things of that nature which sits fine. Um, but I, I think the realtors and uh, a lot of us should do better, could do better. So when you do apply information such as I have, we can forecast accurately. Now, I'm not suggesting if you don't have a background in this area to try and do it yourself because you chances of being wrong are, are fairly high. But done properly, this market is forecastable to uh, to really c- certain degrees. And it sounds like like based on what I've seen of your your forecasting, like it's pretty specific. It it's is. not, you know, we're going to see an increase. Or no, we're going to see a decrease. You, <laughs> yeah, no, we, we, we try not to do too much double talk. Um, and, and when we do give long-term projections, we, we still give numbers. We don't say, you know, t- in 10 years, the market will do better. Well, that's a fairly obvious statement. Um, what we have predicted, like I said, was the, uh, the, the 1.67 price in August of 2018. We're also predicting uh, that in February, first quarter of 2020, is when we will see these two divergent trends meet with the 10 year uptrend mixed with these, uh, this most recent fairly solid downtrend that, w- that is established. The resulting winner of that battle, if you will, between the bulls and the bears will dictate the market for the, for the years to come. I don't really see too much good information in the real estate market nationwide, provincially, that would give me any reason to say, hey, the bulls are going to win this battle and we're going to break this downtrend in the divergent trend of 2020 that will send us higher. I see the inverse where you know things aren't necessarily that, that great, not to mention a stress test, which artificially took out you know your purchasing power by 20%. We're calling for a 26% correction top to bottom, meaning that stress test really only leaves about 6% mortgage possibilities of uh, stepping into that market, if you will. So yes, um, as as far as exact uh, predictions, we do offer those 2020 will be that divergent trend. We're expecting by first quarter, uh, second quarter for sure of 2021, we will be at that 1.40 pricing threshold that uh, propelled us higher basically in the first quarter of 2015. And that's and that's for the average single family home price in greater Vancouver. Correct. That is correct. We do have data for the condo market, for the townhouse market. Um, we can break down the macro market into a specific uh, neighborhood such as North Vancouver, and then even break it down once again further into an area such as lower Lonsdale. 
once again, further down into exactly what that condo market or that condo property should sell for a year down the road, if not in this market today, how the projection, how the trends lie out with the supply demand factors, along with the pricing factors. And yes, average sale price is what we use. We do not use HPI. Okay, Dane, so so this is all fantastic information, but let's for, for the person out there that's not in, involved in the stock market, who doesn't have this high level of understanding of how markets work, let's let's just unpack this a bit. So what does that mean for kind of the immediate future in the market? So like the next three to five years in Vancouver? Sure. Basically where we sit right now, average sale price for the detached home is 1.64 uh, as of the last data. What we are going to see is basically a... a a narrowing of the selling range where the prices really are not going to be increasing. They're not going to be decreasing a whole ton over the next year or so. The inventory, however, will continue to build. The demand will continue to dwindle, or dwindle, sorry, <laughs> which is basically what will cause that inverse um, okay. leading into the, the first quarter of 2020, because the inventory will be at, at, at such high levels, especially given over the last five years. <clears throat> sorry. It will feel like the 2008-2009 market where... It, it almost doesn't matter how low you price your property. Nobody's really willing to step in because the media, because everybody will be kind of a, a negative outlook. As mm-hmm. the inverse, as 2015 and 16 was, when everyone was so positive, this thing will start to turn as a negative sentiment. When things are negative, nobody's really willing to reach into their pocket and spend to the zenith of their most. So eventually, like I say, this will bring the prices down. Now, even when the prices come down in you know, 2021 to the 1.40 mark, um, we hope that people get in at that price threshold. Once again, with the stress test, let's just use an easy example of uh, a detached sale price of 1.2 in uh, 2016, 2017. If I had a purchase price around there, a mortgage qualification, and I kept trying to purchase, chances are I was in fairly steady competition, got outbid a lot. Maybe the heart gets a little broken. You take some time off of the market. By that time, we put a stress test in place. My purchasing power went from 1.2 down to 960. The -hmm. house I was looking at, the homes I was looking at, have not dropped that far yet. In 2021, I'm saying those houses will be around that 960 threshold. Now, for me to step in and buy, I have to not listen to any of the horrible media going on there where we've lost 26%. This market looks Detroit-esque. We're never going to bounce back. <laughs> we are not Detroit. <laughs> right, right. We We're are pointing go- out. We are <laughs> not Detroit. <laughs> That's right. We, uh, we actually are more of a major city, metropolis city market, such as a New York, such as a Paris, such as many other examples in the world. That is where I see us going long term. So we're talking 10, 20, 30 years down the road. How we get there is unfortunately, a big part of this stress test. Once this market bounces back, if this stress test remains in place forever, this is almost your last chance to purchase. When this market drops that 26%, please step in and buy if, if at all possible and you know within the realm of possibilities there because there's only really a 6% net gain versus your mortgage qualification now from when the market was at the top. So you're still buying in at probably you know 94% of your purchasing power, even at 960 rather than 100% of your purchasing power at 1.2. Once you're back in in this market, this market was not going to stay at the bottom forever. It will stay down here for about a year or so. 2021 will be fairly, fairly um, pessimistic. There will be foreclosures. Um, there will be a lot of people entering into the foreclosure situation, especially given the price change over the last five-year five year, uh, term. 
After that, the investors start to step their, you know, dip their toe back in, step in, step in. The prices start to increase. Well, then you have the natural factors of more investors stepping in because the prices are starting to go higher in Vancouver. I'm predicting by, you know, mid to late of 2023, we're back up to the 1.830 threshold. Because we have spent basically 2016 and 2017 in that top third of the trading range, going back to a, a stock market technique, um, we're going to blow through that almost like uh, water through a tissue. It will be a mark. We will touch the mark, come back and retest it probably after we've broken through the 1.830. But once we break through that, we're off to the races again. Reason for that being we've been in this range for six years. We will not have increased past 1.830 since basically January of 2016. By 2023, that's a six-year range. The last time we were in that was the 90s market. We saw about 126% increase after that. We're expecting a similar growth. By 2028, we're expecting the prices to be 2.8 million. Now, if that stress test and and all the people that were complaining at the prices at 1.83, you can imagine the the trouble in the purchasing price at 2.8. Now, even though it is 2.8, basically what will happen is those people that really cannot afford and, and really, you know, are upset will have to move out of real estate board of Greater Vancouver. There is other areas. There's Fraser Valley. There's Kelowna. There's Kamloops. And there's other places in BC to live and still be a part of beautiful British Columbia. But Greater Vancouver and Vancouver proper is moving into more of the New York model where the few own a majority of the properties and the majority do not own in the long term future. So... There's a lot to unpack there. Um, Can you explain uh, for our listeners why 1.4 is a bottom? Like what what analytics do you use to to track that bottom? Sure, that's a fantastic question, actually. Um, All throughout the cycles that we've seen, we have data going back to 1975. We notice that there is, you know, selling ranges, as we've spoken about here, to the tune of roughly 20%. How we find the bottoms is by questioning prices on the way up. Basically, in Q1, Q3 of 2015, we noticed that there was a a bubble right around the 1.4 threshold. At that time, the market at large said, we're worth more than this. And they shot up past it. We eventually topped out, like we mentioned here, at 1.83. And and sorry, the questioning, can you break that down too? Because I think people are going to be wondering what that means. Sure. So as we're increasing basically from January of 2014, we broke past the old threshold there of May of 2014. We increased from 1.25 up to 1.4 million. 1.4 million is a natural indicating number. I mean, it's 1.4, right? It's not 1.5, but it is 1.4. So natural figures have a question period. When you're purchasing at higher prices than the preceding three years, you know, your family members, everyone has second opinions at parties. They say, you really, you're buying now? You know, the prices are high. They're high. So there is that question period. The market at large says that they're, they're not high. We'll buy, we'll buy, we'll buy. So that was the overall market sentiment that sent the market topping up to 1.83. At that time, the same similar principles were happening. Is this price sustainable? We had a foreign buyer's tax come in. Now we've had a stress test. We did make our forecast before the stress test happens. Um, Technical analysis, before I get to why we get to the bottom here, um, technical analysis and data points do not know what a reason will be called why the market is going to fall off. All they say is that, hey, there's some indicators here that says the market is not going to be doing so well long term. Then the fundamental reasons come in, such as a government change or such as a stress test happen. So um, the 08 recession, technically speaking, in the real estate data, if you chart it, was predictable as well. Um, Same with the supply demand figures that we offer. Once you see inverses uh, start to happen, you notice that there is a change in the market. 
how we find bottoms, how the market overall finds the bottom is it goes back to the last psychological test, if you will. Now there is the middle, which is what we're filling out right now, which is the 1.60 mark. That's become the newest psychological test between the 1.830 and the 1.60. That's why we've bottomed there multiple times. Eventually in 2020, when we do break that, the next question will be, where is this market bottoming? Now some will think it's Detroit and there is no bottom. Others will go back to previously established prices where they felt comfortable buying, which is 2015 Q1, which is 1.4. Okay, so so let's uh, let's chat then a bit about post 2021 in in your predictions. Then, Dane, where does the market go from there? Sure. So post 2021, 2022, we're starting to see the rebound in the market. It's not a prevalent factor, really, to the main street uh, media overall. We'll still be saying the market's not doing well. The market's not doing well. Media, at its best, lags the market three months um, because they use do use historical right. data. At the at the worst, it's sometimes six months, um, as kind of what we're seeing right now. They're 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 calling for a minimal decrease in the market from the tops, where we we know better. Um, so they use lagging indicators, uh, but. Basically, 2022, we will see the liftoff from the bottom. We'll actually start to break some of the downtrends that have sent us down, which gives the market psychological proof that the market is not horrible anymore. As the investors continually start to come back, we'll see a noticeable lift between 2022 and 2023 um, because we will have spent so much time, basically the end of 2020 and the majority of 2021, filling out that below 1.60 threshold to the 1.4. We're also going to be working our way back up that. Once we've broken the 1.6 threshold that has sent us down, we will test that 1.830 mark once again because we've spent so much time up there. It's not going to be really a, 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 a hard factor for this market to break. Um, Vancouver, once again, it is a desirable area on its own. So I know we're kind of talking some negative terms here about this market upcoming. If you if you lived a majority of your adult life in Winnipeg and you think about wintering in Winnipeg or wintering in Vancouver, you still want to winter in Vancouver, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, long-term Vancouver is going to do very, very well. Um, once we're done 2023, we will be in an exponential growth phase. Um, so, we're expecting, like I said, the 100% from the bottom. And that, to our estimation, is uh, conservative. Uh, we don't want to blow the market out and say that it's going to do too fantastic past that because that is a 10-year forecast, basically, from where we're at right now. With more time, we will have more accurate data. We will actually see the uptrend that has been established, and then we will be able to accurately forecast what that end or termination date and price point looks like. This is our 10-year forecast as it sits. But, but you're calling for 2.8? 2.8 for sure will happen in uh, by uh, 2028 or in, in, in 2028 for sure. Let's just, can we break that down for an example? So you buy a million-dollar home today. It's worth $2 million. It's worth... So, Oh yeah. No, so I, I, I figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's, I'm super good at ladies and gentlemen. And analytics man, at its finest. Scalina. There you go. Uh, yeah. So, no, but, so basically, let's, let's let's go to the uh, 1.2 example that yeah, we've we'll had. We'll go we'll go right? down and then we'll go up. Basically. So at the 1.2 um, pricing threshold that it was in one in, in sorry 2016, that threshold right now has dropped. Call it 12 percent to okay. to to make the market sellable. Right. So that is 1.2, 10% is 120,000. So we'll throw an extra 2% on top of that. Let's call it 150,000 drop from the, from the 1.2, right? That's where your house would be selling today. Henceforth to 2021 to get 
your property sold, you'll have to be below the 960 threshold because that's only at the 20%. That's where their purchasing power is. So you're looking around a nine, nine and a quarter per sale price. Now, do you have to sell? Absolutely no. not. You don't realize a loss until you actually go ahead and sell and then your equity's gone and then you, you take what you get for it. Does some of the market have to sell in that threshold? Absolutely. If you've over leveraged yourself and there is some unfortunate circumstances um, in 2016, say they're the parents home that they've lived in for a long time and there's been equity built up in it, but the, you know, the kids got, just got married and they needed a property of their own. Um, they pull equity out of their property. They're highly leveraged all of a sudden now. And so is the prop, the two properties they bought for their kids. I mean, it, it, it could get ugly for those. So you sell one um, and you get out from that kind of uh, ugly situation and you keep the other properties, right? So to that's what you're going to notice in 2021. If you just say, you know what, we were thinking about selling. We don't need to sell. Um, we love our property and we're going to sell to a developer down the road, something like that. You'd be best bet to hold off, hold off until probably 2024, 2025, once we're back up into a growth phase where developers can't get their hands on enough inventory. What I find interesting here is it seems like, you know, it's data driven. There's fully a psychological component to your analysis, though, right? Like that's a a huge component of it. It Basically, the uh, the data points kind of dictate the the psychology of the overall market without them really even knowing about it it it, it shows where somebody's willing to reach into their pocket and spend the most or when they're reach willing to you know spend the least it's it's similar to filling up your gas tank or putting 40 dollars in you know how how confident are you feeling in that market and then we you know i mean it's obviously how confident is the public about the real estate market so and then you're saying that you can kind of predict the market acting a certain way and then with hindsight say okay well here's the 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 factors the stress test right the stress test exactly the we didn't know what it was going to be but something came out so i'm curious about things like um zoning changes we've been talking about the city uh implementing massive zoning changes to say rt and potentially more zoning on say the west side um global warming foreign buyers tax there's a huge number of factors here uh, that could influence this market. Where do those fall, or is it like how does that fit into your analysis, or Over, does it overall? Um, they're not the greatest factors as it sits right now. I mean, during market downtrends, y- you can say builders here. Here's a lot they don't want to build on. Sure. It, you know what I mean. So. Um, they will become prevalent factors and they'll say, Hey, did you, do you remember, you know, that happened? And there's some, you know, some OCP changes in West Vancouver. Let's go ahead and and start digging around there because the market's in a rebound. Not too many developers are willing to, uh, you know, purchase today, hold off unless they have a different outlook than I do, Um, Mm -hmm. which, which is fair. That's what makes a bull and a bear. So Dane, I mean, a lot of people right now are discussing the market. What kind of feedback have you got from from these predictions? You know, to be honest, it, it, it's all been positive. Um, a few of my kind of uh, fellow realtors acquaintances saying, uh, get ready for the hate mail. Uh, <laughs> I haven't re- yeah. received any as such yet. Uh, hopefully I don't any after this uh, now that I've kind of put it out there. But um, truthfully, it's, it's been thank you. Um, we appreciate your insights because like you say, it has been data driven. Um, this isn't me creating a metric to change the numbers of average sale prices. This is using the real estate board average sale prices real estate boards, inventory, real estate board sales. Then you apply metrics, analytics to it. And, and then you do have to have a uh, analytical eye um, to uh, glean the information that's staring at you in a chart. 
Um, for example, the supply demand we did you know, briefly go over before we went on air there. It, it, it's a complicated chart. Once you break it down, you see that, you know, when there's an inverse of supply demand, there's a natural reaction to the market. You know, you have demand go past supply, prices increase. You have demand slip past the supply and supply to old all-time highs. The chances of market increase are, are negligible. Right. So can we talk a little bit about the relationship or what you're seeing for condos and townhomes or the relationship between condos and townhomes and single family homes? Sure. Um, so basically overall, the the, the macro move of real estate board to greater Vancouver and Vancouver and really any area in the lower mainland is detached driven. Um, there is no more land to be had. Now there is some land to be had in Fraser Valleys and some other places like that where they can still continue to build detached. But in Vancouver proper, there is no more. So eventually over time, we will go up. Uh, the, the city will continue to get higher as condos and townhomes get built. Detached prices, once again, that's a supply demand factor. When you start to take the supply away because you know there's more townhouses being built, the, the average homeowner really wants to still buy a home. That That price will be exponentially high given the future. And that's probably, like I say, a fairly conservative forecast about 2028. There will be a lot less detached properties available. Um, The ones with views will go for an astronomical price. Um, Condos, because there has been a lot of uh, built up uh, uh, supply that is still going to be coming on the market, as you guys know, there's been a lot of pre-sales over the last few years and uh, completions haven't happened yet. I'd be willing to wager a lot of completions that happened in 2021, people might just walk away from their deposits, to be brutally honest with you. Um, So the condo market is going to be in for a kicking, similar to the detached market, maybe even with a a greater degree of impact in some areas. Um, Now the townhouse, if you will, that's your saving grace. It's still going to lose money um, compared to where it was in 2016, comparatively where it is today. It's the supply demand factors of that and because of the stress test, um, say that the demand for townhouses will conti- will be greater than the, the condos and the detached market. Simple reason, once again, my purchase price of 1.2 is now not down to 960. If I want to stay in real in greater Vancouver, I can't buy that house. I have to buy a townhouse if I want to purchase something. I'm buying the biggest, best townhouse I can find because my sites were set on a house and I've seen houses. So, you know, as you see a nice property, you don't want to buy the, 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 the kind of lesser than, if you will. So you buy the best darn townhouse you can for you and your family or you and your wife to enjoy. Um, and, and, and so that demand factor will stay stronger than the rest of the market because your entry level condo buyer has been hurt by the stress test. If they could afford 600, now it's not. You know, So it, it's kind of a trickle effect where the townhouse is that kind of catch-all system, if you will. And, and where, so I don't know if you're looking at this as well, but you know, we often hear that buy in Vancouver, Vancouver's the destination city. Does Vancouver outperform surrounding areas? It's an interesting question. Um, basically, as you see during growth phases, better areas do better. During kind of decline areas, their per, uh, percentage loss are great, but just the numbers aren't there anymore. So once again, you do not realize a loss until you go ahead and sell it. So if you're, you know, you, you bought it the zenith of the purchasing price or purchasing market, just don't go ahead and sell. 10 years from now, you'll be happy that you didn't, um, if you can afford that circumstance to kind of stay in the market. But yes, there is, I mean, West Vancouver went astronomically high again um, during the run-up, and and you're seeing some significant 
decrease in average sale prices versus what we were seeing over the past couple of years. Now, does it mean they were really worth that much at the Zenith? Probably not. You know what I mean? So some markets are kind of fickle that way, um, where that's why we do take the average to show how the average market moves, how the average investor thinks, how the average home buyer thinks in Greater Vancouver. So there's a there's a confidence about the analysis that you don't see uh, very often, right? Like we've had guys on like Tom Davidoff who made predictions in 2017. We bring it up all the time, but about how the condo market was going to be, uh, you know, it was going to be a really weak year for condos and they shot off, right? So that's, you know, UBC economist. Uh, there's economists at the real estate board who see things differently. Um Two questions here. Who else is doing this type of analysis? Like, are there other markets? Are there guys in, say, the States or in Australia or in Europe that are doing this? Like, are you piggybacking off other people or is this, uh, that's one question. And then second, there seems like there's a full institutional establishment here that's basically not hip to your analysis or just getting it wrong, right? Um, first of all, yes, uh, to our not... I am the first in Canada to produce this uh, this type of data-driven analysis. At the time I was producing it, I was the first in my mind. As soon as the uh, <laughs> the article I've been was the first in my mind, <laughs> and that's where the confidence comes from. Matt. <laughs> so, uh, but once the first article was published, it actually get did go uh, fairly far and wide. Uh, there were people that consult to the International Monetary Fund that were in touch and saying, "Congratulations, we haven't seen this type of analysis." And I was really riding that high horse. I barely fit through the doorway, as, uh, as you can imagine, <laughs> until uh, a gentleman that consulted to the uh, the Federal Reserve of the United States gave me a shout and uh, said, "Hey." We haven't seen this since the 90s. And I'm going, oh, shucks. <laughs> so there was a study out of the Columbia University uh, that did this uh, type of analysis on the New York model, and, and it worked uh, to perfection. Then, once again, when you add extra known analytics um, to data sets, you get extra information. So um, now as far as why not too many others use this type of analysis or this type of interpretation, it is complicated when you're going through it, right? I, I hope I try to, you know, tell you tell you guys the fairly easy information. You don't see what happens behind the behind the closed doors. There's a lot of work that goes behind it. Um, but as, as far as you know, some of the other guys, they do have ulterior motives in the market. I'm not saying that they're bad ulterior motives, but they are paid for by you know their salaries are paid for by realtors or by you know the the real estate community at large. So when you, you hear from you know chief economists of real estate boards of Greater Vancouver that the market is inherently good for buyers and sellers month after month, year after year, year after year. I mean, it, it can't always be true. Now, is it true depending on your outlook? Absolutely. You know, if you have a 10-year outlook as a buyer, it's a great time to buy almost any time in Vancouver. If you have a, a short-term outlook as a seller, today's a no-win market, so you might as well sell today. So I do see that side of what they're trying to get across. What we're saying is that there is definitely, without question, better times to enter markets when prices are historically low. Um, and then there's better times to exit markets when we're just in the beginning phases of filling out a trading range. For example, like we say in 2028, we, we, we ex- expect the prices to be 2.8. We do also expect in 2028, 2029, more than likely, to be another topping out of the market and then another rollover. So investors that pick up, you know, properties at 1.4 um, to, you know, exponential degrees, maybe they look to unload some of them in 2028 to capture that zenith of the market. Getting back to why different economists don't use this, um, they're using different data. 
the HPI price it, uh, does definitely lag their own average sale price, right? The HPI is based off of. C- and can, we'll sure. say, can you just explain uh, the HPI because listeners are not going to know. The HPI that. is the house price uh, index. It is has been known as the benchmark price, which the real estate board uses. Which yeah, correct, and, and and most media outlets uh, quote uh, as well. As we've seen, the prices have basically dropped two hundred thousand dollars a few times from the topping of the market. I believe the HPI is down one percent. Which <laughs> also, if if you just kind of take that sentiment. Um, Anybody that was walking around open houses during that the heated market, just go out to uh, a, a, any open house this weekend, and you, and you will see more than a one percent differential um, between people the the ravenous activities that uh, that was there versus right. what's actually going on now. If you take the own, their own data um, and take the HPI versus the average sale price, you'll see a. Um, quite drastic change in tops of prices versus tops of HPI. The HPI does lag the actual average sale price market by quite a bit, um, usually roughly around six months and in some cases a year uh, where the market's actually at the top. I believe it was February of 2013 where the prices were back up to uh, old established highs, past previous highs, and the HPI was actually at its uh, lowest that it's that it had been in the, in the previous year. So, The HPI is a tool um, to some degree. We just find that this type of analytics does forecast it and does um, show more timely uh, events that people can, uh, you know, take advantage of. What we uh, what we strive to do is, you know, offer actionable intelligence. What other people strive to do is to make a marketplace. That we're we're not trying to make you know everybody feel good or everybody happy about the market. What we're trying to do is say what the market is truly doing and how you can have actionable intelligence through ITEL Insights. So the academic that reached out to you about the, um, we haven't seen this since the 90s, did you go back and look at what people were doing in the 90s and maybe why it disappeared or it's less prominent today? Truthfully, I don't. Um, <laughs> in a lot of ways, I uh, I don't like to uh, manipulate my mind with um, how with other people do successes their... or failures. Correct. Because, you know, what worked for him might not necessarily work for this market. So I have, I mean, like I say, we do have supply demand. We use Bollinger Bands. We use relative strength indexes. We use uh, exponential moving averages, which show whether any market is in a golden cross or a death cross. There's other uh, analytics that we've tried to employ, but you just can't because there's a not enough data or things of that nature. So um, I, I try not to, you know, commingle anybody's work with my own. Um, I And the reason why he is uh, no longer around is uh, he passed away. Oh, <laughs> he, he was an elderly gentleman at the time. So okay. <laughs> I have uh, one last question for you. Would you buy marijuana stock right now? <laughs> you got to you gotta pay him for that. Man. <laughs> See, I just went quiet there. I appreciate that. Okay, so Dane, also, we've got a lot of people that, that look at the Canadian context and they buy and sell real estate all over Canada. Are you looking just at Vancouver? Are you looking at other areas? And are you are you doing any kind of cross references on markets and how they the interplay between markets in Canada? Yeah, actually, we do. Um, so we do have a national database. Um, basically, our flagship was Vancouver, like we, like we've kind of discussed. I was brought up here, and this is this is home. So um, this is what we feel kind of obligated uh, for all the people that were kind to me over the years in Vancouver to give back t- freely to the market to some degree. Um, while it is not the best news that the market is going to be, you know, dropping out but actually, here. I think it's a, it's actually a really positive. Like when I think of a lot, sorry to cut yeah, you off, no but problem. when I think of, of a lot of bears, you know, I spend too much time looking at Twitter <laughs> and I have for over the years, it's like, you know, uh, some bears on the market are not talking about a three-year dip. That's kind of 
Right. Anyone who understands kind of basic market activity is like, yeah, markets go up, markets go down, but you're you're actually your long term outlook you're, you're is quite it, bullish on the market. Yeah, you got it. Um, <laughs> I appreciate you guys yeah. saying that. Actually, um, you're right. The the the, the I guess the uh, negative feel that I have is the people that will lose that four hundred and thirty thousand dollars on average. Not to mention the um, the capping of this market with the stress test. Why markets historically have bottomed and, and, and the useful nature of them is people stepped in there with a 20% purchasing decrease from where it was yeah. at their zenith. This time you're not really seeing that. So it does, uh, you know, the guy that has money is he stressed about a stress test? Here, here, let me show you more income. Let me show you more money. I have money. It's the guy moving up into the market. It's the person, it's the gal just trying to get into the market that is legitimately stressed by this stress test, which is the misnomer of we're helping you. You know, we're going to put mm-hmm. this stress test in to damp this market down, to, to send it down so you guys can buy. Well, they're sending the market hurtling down, you know, and for an extended period of time as is what I see this stress test has done. And would you have, so presumably based on my understanding of your analysis, so if it wasn't a stress test, something else, like there'd be better, it would be... Correct. Without the stress test, there'd it, be... The, the market was still, I mean, yeah. the market had topped out no matter what. Then we saw a government change. Then we see a stress test now. What could have potentially happened would have been a shorter bottom because as this stress test and as the governments were changing, the, the, the downtrends were still just forming. If you notice in the first article, we'll only have two lines going down. If some of our more current stuff has three lines going down. So as data points come, it, it, it very well could have been a sharper downtrend, which historically we average, you know, a, a three and a half year trading range, selling range. Um, because of these impacts, we're in for a six year selling range. So that is really the only kind of degree of difference that we do notice because of these fundamental reasons. Was this market going to bottom? Absolutely, for sure. And I do agree with you, you know, a dollar saved is a dollar earned. So don't purchase at the wrong time. I mean, purchase for your own fundamental reasons. My family's growing and all that kind of stuff, but I wouldn't be looking to add to my investment portfolio in, you know, uh, West Vancouver, if you, if you will, kind of thing. Um, but there are areas across Canada that I would be looking to uh, add to my portfolio as markets go down. There are other areas um, across Canada and, and specific regions that are that are really poised for some growth here. Um, the nice the niceties about that the uh, capital cost is not 1.6 where it is right now. You know, sure. so the average price is a lot lower. So for uh, people that are kind of stressed by the stress test, there is uh, uh, other avenues to incur some wealth or, or grow, uh, have some wealth grown for yourself here. Um, one of the nice things is between now and the bottom, there is still some time. So an idea, not exactly the idea, but an idea to uh, uh, gain some wealth here so that uh, you're ready in 2021 is to get in touch with us. Um, We can guide you to where markets are are poised for growth. You can purchase an investment property or two. Um, Put the money down, go through the stress test, feel what that feels like, and you'll actually see some rental income because the purchase prices are much, much lower. So you can work that out a lot easier than you can on the average sale price here in Vancouver in other areas. Once you do that, the actual um, accruement of the growth cycle that this area, you know, the few areas are in for, you'll see increase in average sale price. Now you do have equity growth in one area of the country, you know, a few areas. If you're in on that, you can pull some money back from that, go ahead and sell that property at a gain, and uh, come back and step into Vancouver, sort of mitigating that stress test sort and, and picking up uh, where you would have been 
had all, not all these uh, external factors been in play. There is some other possibilities for the good news uh, in regards to the stress test. There is some talk with uh, you know the election cycle coming up here in 2021. Um, maybe that they are going to change some of the amortization rates, which could help the market as well. Anytime, which would be lengthening the amortization. Lengthening, exactly, so as opposed to, to 40 years or 45 in around. Yeah. Bingo, you got it. Bingo. Okay. Um, so just just uh, uh, you know. It, I obviously I, I read a lot of the comment section as well. Matt and I we get stuck in these comment sections, and then we, uh, <laughs> and then we, uh, what do we do? I don't know. Get Drink. angry, get sad, <laughs> get drunk, <Yeah. laughs> but uh, lose sleep, sleep like babies. Depending on the comment, depending on the comment, but they're usually they're usually very negative. And a lot of people are saying right now. So what what do you say to the people out there that are saying, well, where does the money come from? We've seen this huge increase from foreign demand in a lot of cases. Um, we've seen a lot of people within the national contact into interprovincial migration, um, which is down. Um, obviously, we now have the foreign buyers tax. So a lot of people don't think that our market, this is an argument other people make, of course. that they don't think that our market will rebound in the same that it has in the past just because of that, uh, just because of, of foreign foreign speculation, foreign interest, um, and then also that kind of the interprovincial migration play that has happened in previous previous years. Um, a lot of people are also very pessimistic because of the NDP government. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen in the past how that has impacted the housing market. Um where does the money come from, I guess? Where does the demand come from? And and are you looking at that or is it more kind of based on the data of just how markets operate? Uh, what we do is how the data, how the market operates. But what I can kind of tell you is how the, the a foreign buyer that is coming here for an investment purpose, 15% isn't really the motivating, mitigating factor in him purchasing or not. It's whether the market's poised to do well or not. Um, some of the places, as you've seen in, in some of the media reports, is, is money laundering. They don't care about uh, a foreign buyer's tax. They just want to have a safe asset, right? Um, a growing asset, if you will, which this place isn't anymore. Um, that's why you're seeing the foreign buyers tax or foreign buyers tax take into effect. It's more so that the market's not an investable area rather than the foreign buyers tax is working. If this impact was still, you know, there was no foreign buyers tax, but the stress test still happened. The only differential I really would have seen is that we wouldn't have seen that exponential loss for about two or three months after that foreign buyers tax. Yeah, then right. the market bounced back. Gotcha. That, that was the impact of the foreign buyers tax. Once you establish what the tax is, I mean, now they've moved it up to the 20%, I understand, but uh, there's ways around any tax. I think the day after, two days after, lawyers had their work around. Of we the, talked to them on the podcast. There you go. You guys are on it. So, I mean, you know, uh, once you do something, there, there are means and ways around it. So that isn't really the implication that the government wishes it would, if you will. This market on its own on its own steam was topping out. This market on its own was calling for a government change because prices were so high and that was the sentiment. Hey, we should be able to afford here in Vancouver. So they switched the government. We'll see what the conversation is in 2021 after everybody's lost $430,000 and they still can't purchase. Now, that's not the NDP's fault. It is the liberal over over a yeah, government, right? Federal policy. Right? It is a federal policy. Now, one thing to note, the liberal poli- or, uh, government here in BC is the BC liberals. They're not actually tied to the national liberals. 
might help them to change a name, but that's that's to each to, to each their own. <laughs> so um, you know they they are fiscally conservative, if you will. Uh, I I know a, a few of their their members are not exactly happy with everything that the NDP is saying about this real estate market and how they're really they're they're really trying to hurt it, which is an interesting thing because the market's bleeding on its own. You don't really have to kick it. Yeah, and you know we had former finance minister Mike DeYoung on the program recently, and he was saying the other thing is 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 with the with the state of the BC economy right now, if if the economy starts to starts to lag with policy going on in in the NDP government, it doesn't make afford even if house prices come down, the buying power alone just in terms of the economy has gone down as well, right? People can't afford to buy homes even if they are less expensive. Uh, he's on hundred percent correct in my opinion with that uh, statement. I mean, one of the interesting thing too, uh, the NDP's purposely. Go- going after the realtors and the real estate community and, you know, pricing at all, at large, sorry. The realtors make up a, a decent population of uh, Greater Vancouver, right? Um, and, and by and large, they, they're out there in the community, you know, buying drinks, buying lunches, you know, schmoozing with the public and whatnot. When, when you hurt, when you tap their income, um, it, it, it hurts the new lease of their car, the new purchase of their car. It hurts the, the you know, their bill tab at the, at the pub um, or at the restaurant. So, it, this he, I mean, the economic factor that real estate has on everybody in Vancouver is a real thing. Um, when well, and especially in the construction industry and all the totally. everyone else involved totally. in, in the real I estate mean, industry, the developers yeah. making money so he can afford to hire the construction crew. They can make some money, you sure. know. And, and and once again, they're going out to you know take their girlfriends or their, their boyfriends out to uh, have a nice dinner. Those are those are ceasing to to exist now. Even the I mean the development is is way down, but the pre sales is way down too. So as a developer, is he going to step in? Maybe he's you know heard that the market might not do so well. Um, seen some of the articles that we've been publishing and, and has bought in as well. That gentleman's not going to be going and laying down you know another ninety million dollar investment over the next two three weeks, right? He's going to be waiting for years. So he's not hiring that construction crew um, and, and, and the developers they're, they're, they're still fine you know they, they've still got their Mexico trip but it's it, it is the trickle down effect that will hurt this uh, the, the economic state of uh, Greater Vancouver and BC overall to be frank well before we let you go Dane we, we got to do the five wire if you can stick around for that five questions about Vancouver no your, your lived experience in Vancouver no I, I know what, I got a sixth question for you but oh, anyway so here we go <laughs> those are tried and tested you can't change it up uh, all right so first your favorite neighborhood in Vancouver Oh, it's got to be North Vancouver. Um, I've lived in North Burnaby, New Westminster. And uh, like I say, when we first moved here to uh, Vancouver proper, it was in North Vancouver. Now that I've moved back, I mean, it, it's scenic. The people are beautiful. Um, the North Vancouver, hands are down. You, are you in where the kids are calling Lolo? You got it. I, I, I don't explicit, <laughs> specifically call it Lolo, but yes, I am in Lower Lonsdale. <laughs> Favorite bar or restaurant, Dane? It's got to be the uh, Granville Room down on Granville Street. That was uh, the old haunt for many years uh, back in the day, and we still venture down there every once in a while. Wow. West Side Mansion or Downtown Penthouse? West Side Mansion. Downtown, oh, downtown's great. a great place to visit. Uh, I, I don't think I can move down there. The hustle and bustle is a, is a bit too much for me, to be frank. Sounds good. First place you bring somebody from out of town. Honestly, it's the key. That's why I live in Lower Lonsdale. Uh, I mean, nice you, you, you go there, you see the you see the mountains, you see the Stanley Park Cannon shoot off every night at nine o'clock. It's uh, especially during the summertime. They got tons of events uh, going throughout the neighborhood there. Okay, and and the Stumper, what is something you've purchased in the last year or so for under five hundred dollars that has been a game changer? It could be a gadget, a book, a, 
an uh, album. I don't, I don't know yeah. if this is going to be a popular answer, but honestly, it's the Jewel. Um, the Jewel? Yeah, I used to. Uh, I was, I was an avid smoker, as you can imagine, coffee oh. drinker and cigarette smoker. But uh, these electronic jewels, um, they don't shoot out quite the uh, cloud as these vapes do. And uh, <laughs> that's the second vape. Yeah, Isn't there's been the another vape. vape but we should say for the listeners at home, Dane has perfect skin. You'd never guess that he was a smoker. You yeah. would never <laughs> guess. Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, jeez, Dane, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. Yeah, I, I you know it. Like might, you, could, you look like you that, could go. That might bring some of the hate mail in. There we go now, right? But yeah. uh, honestly, it looks it's, like you jogged here. You're yeah. in incredible shape. Well, you know, it's uh, <laughs> it, it, it's the vaping. It's old, old habits die high. We're still die hard. We're still in the gym, but we still have the bad habits too. <laughs> so, so Dane, and, and the last question, it, just because the, your story is is very interesting um it sounds like you're you're self-taught in a lot of ways you're you're a guy that sits and kind of digs through the data is there a website or a book that either set you on this path or something that that you that you consult regularly for your insight into uh, the real estate market yeah sure i appreciate that um truthfully I mean, as with uh, most most sons, uh, my dad's a big influence on me. Um, he was a, a stock trader back in the day as well. So, um, you know, uh, entering into the market, you know, just kind of being a realtor was uh, was a fantastic thing. But uh, the the clients aren't there every day with the stock market. That that bell goes off. That market's a moving. So that was kind of an enticing factor back in, back a few years ago. And I mean, I, when I started, uh, when uh, the, the the price of any given stock is is not changed, it's it, it's literally called unchanged, but it shows up as UNCH. I said, hey, 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 dad, what's unk? So, I mean, it means unchanged. So I've come from basically nothing to where it is now. <laughs> uh, he's, he's given me a lot of pointers. Um, there has been a few people along the way that have kind of helped me out. But uh, truthfully, a lot of it is just late hours um, being online. There's Investopedia is a great website for sure. different in- indicators, you know, technical moves. And, and, and then a lot of it is drive. Um, how much do you really want to figure something out? If you spend enough time uh, given anything, you will become proficient at it, I believe. You know, you shoot enough free throws, you'll be a, a decent free throw they shooter. They say 10,000 hours. Uh, you know, I don't know what Shaq was doing all those years, but it wasn't <laughs> shooting free throws. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess we'll leave it there. Thanks so much, Dane, for your time. That and, was, and uh, how can people find yeah. out more about you? Sure. Uh, we do have a website. It's ITEL Insights. That's uh, last name ITEL, E-I-T-E-L, insights.com. So um, that's where we are. Um, we got our phone numbers we got uh, we'll have this uh, podcast up and uh, we got some other interesting stuff up there as well so fantastic. fantastic yeah well thanks again for taking the time dane no problem adam matt appreciate it guys So there you have it, folks, our discussion with Dane Itell from Itell Insights. I definitely enjoyed that conversation with Dane. He's a, he's a great guy all around. Uh, he was uh, We chatted with him beforehand. He's an afterwards. interesting guy. He's interesting an interesting guy. guy. He, he, does, he likes the deep dive into the data, and uh, he's confident. He doesn't hedge his predictions at all. He just says what he actually believes in, and he's, he's confident about and it. And you know what? And the, the good nice thing about Dane is you, know, you hear people make predictions all the time. There's two types of people, uh, mainly people in real estate who you know, constantly you hear the refrain, uh, your crystal ball is as good as mine. Nobody really likes to put themselves out kind of ahead of three or six months, and they're always hedging. And then there's guys that just have these core beliefs. Dane has the core beliefs, but it's backed up by numbers. Now, the interpretation of the data or how much 
uh, you can interpret that data and what you can derive from it, I guess, is is under question. But Dane has done a deep, deep dive looking at numbers and, and there's, there's definitely patterns and he's established certain patterns. And, and you know what? He's come to some pretty bold predictions. He's got his opinions for sure. We'd love to hear what you think about Dane's opinions. So feel free to get in touch. Send us an email. Visit us on Van- at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com or give us a call anytime because honestly... I'd imagine that people are going to have opinions about what Dane has yeah, to say. You know what? It, he made some headlines this week, and you've heard the backstory here. So yeah, I'd be I'd be very curious to hear. What else do we got? We got VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. If you want to talk about Dane or anything else, head over there. We have there some research tools like private client services. Matt, if you are not using private client services, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. It's basically realtor-level information. It's at your fingertips. It's free, and it's available available on our site. And also, if you're trying to monitor the market right now without sold prices, you're doing it wrong. It's, we you know give what? you the sold prices. It's it's all there for you. If you're monitoring the market without sold prices right now, it's like you're you're walking blind. That's for sure. Is that what it's like? Is that even a saying? I'm not sure, but it, it's like, you know what? This... It's the blind leading the blind. <laughs> but are you leading yourself? It's like three blind mice. See yeah. how they run. Kind of. Kind of. Also, we're we, not, let's move on from a, PCS. This is yeah, going. Yeah, this, this is a disaster. We also have that mobile app. Matt, picture this. You just read a story about the market doubling in the next 10 years. I'd be looking for a single family home. So, And you see a single family home and you want to know what it's priced at. So you just point your mobile phone and instantly it shows you what the listing price is. The future is here. It's augmented reality. It's on our site at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. We also got the live wire. It's absolutely electric. It's our weekly mail out. And it is... That's some new branding right there. It is is going out every single week. It's got deal of the month. It's got new episodes. It's got realtor level tips and market tips and market information. It is fantastic. And we we should say we've had a ton of people reaching out about deals, and the deals are getting better every month. Matt, how can people reach you? Give me a call anytime, 778-847-2854 or matt at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. You can also reach Beeper Scalina at introvert at introverts.com. <laughs> Info at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. <laughs> and uh, we'll be back with you live next week. Enjoy your week, guys. Take care. Two thousand spaces for radio. Subscribe today. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? 
playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah. You know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the way. I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer. And they're looking for both donations and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020. 